Hello, and welcome to the 48th episode of The Big Rhetorical Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Woods. Today is September 28th, 2020. In January of this year, before our worlds were flip-turned upside down by the coronavirus pandemic, The Big Rhetorical Podcast loaded up the vehicle and traveled to Birmingham, Alabama for the Southeastern Writing Center Association Conference, which was held at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. I attended so many smart panels and even presented with one of my frequent collaborators, Dr. Devin Ralston, on implementing podcasts and writing centers. But of the panels I attended, a couple really stood out as engaging with critically important conversations for our discipline. On the next two episodes of the Big Rhetorical Podcast, you're going to hear from scholars who presented at SWCA 2020, starting with Samantha Dean and Toria Folsom. Samantha Dean is a master's student at Mississippi State University. She received her bachelor's degree in English writing at Mississippi College and also earned her TESOL certificate while completing her undergrad. She is now pursuing a MA in English literature, and she works as a graduate teaching assistant with the Mississippi State University English Department. Sam also works as a tutor with the Writing Center on campus and teaches English composition. Her research interests include American literature and composition and rhetoric. Yeah, I think that making that choice understood is like, is in, invaluable and mm-hmm. it can really help in giving ESL students and tutors a sense of agency mm-hmm. to kind of take control of that situation and say, you know, this this value, this writing, your writing is valuable and like has space and you have the opportunity to choose to like to push for that or to operate in this other way. And we are going to like be those allies to help you. Toria Folsom was born in Holly Springs, Mississippi, and is currently pursuing a bachelor's degree in English at Mississippi State. She has previously conducted research regarding the declining use of public libraries in America and the rate of extracurricular institutional support for English majors as compared to STEM majors. She has worked as a writing tutor at the MSU Writing Center since 2019 and has since been conducting research regarding ESL students in the American academic context and in writing centers. She is also currently researching the relationship and history between food identity and literature in the Native American community. We imagine a type of workshop environment over the course of the semester or school year in which both tutors and instructors and professors and students get together and exchange information about their culture and the way in which they write in their culture. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Samantha Dean and Toria Folsom. Dean. I'm a graduate teaching assistant at Mississippi State University. I'm from Long Beach, Mississippi, and I'm in just finished my first year of grad school. Okay. Heading into my second, and I 
work with the writing center at Mississippi State, and I'll be teaching a class uh, in the fall, English Comp 1. So I'm really excited about that. Well, congratulations on getting through that first year. Thank you. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. So, So where is Long Beach, Mississippi? It's on the Gulf Coast, okay. right next to uh, Gulfport and Biloxi, all kind of in that line on the Mississippi coast. Okay. So is that pretty – that's not very close to Starkville, though, which is in the center part of the state, right? Mm-hmm. It's about four hours away. Four mm-hmm. hours away. So what got you from Gulfport or Long Beach to Starkville? I uh, did my – undergrad at Mississippi College, which is in Clinton. I did my undergrad in English writing and uh, just had a great group of faculty there that really invested in me and helped me look at grad programs and different options and opportunities. And I'd always heard good things about Mississippi State and um, which just felt like the right next step to start grad school. So Mm. So where Mississippi College is in Clinton, is that yeah. where you kind of developed uh, a love for the arts, for English? It, it really is. I I really did. They have a fantastic uh, English department and writing center and gave us as students really fantastic opportunities to work directly with students on writing. I did a minor in TESOL, so I worked really closely with uh, the ESL community there. Um and just really enjoyed it. Definitely a huge place where that grew. Samantha, where's your research at now, now that you're at Mississippi State? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, my undergrad was in English writing, and so now my master's is going to be in English literature. So it's kind of like a pivot there to a different focus, um, which has been, I've been enjoying it a lot, and I am going to be starting my thesis work in the fall, and I'm looking at Margaret Atwood, her two works, The Handmaid's Tale and the Testaments, and I'm looking at it from an angle of suspended serality, so why did Atwood choose to revisit this text, you know, 30 some odd years later, and in that revisitation, um, kind of what processes you're using with like audience expectations, like narrative shifts. Um, so that's, that's what I'll be starting on in the fall. That's so cool. Margaret Atwood is so cool. Uh, her work is, is, you know, you know, uh, let me rephrase that. I'm going to just have to cut that out because that sounded bad guys. Sorry. Um, Margaret Atwood is super cool. Do you go, do you watch the handmaid's tale on Hulu? I've seen some of the show. I haven't seen the newest season, though, so I need to catch up. But um, it's it's really interesting. It's especially with the way the world's going right now. There's just so (laughs) much to talk about. And I don't know if you've read the Testaments, but it it builds a lot off of the show. So it's it's very interesting just to see an author revisit a work like this. So I'm excited. I haven't read it. I've watched some of the show, too. I I like that actress in the show. Oh, Um, yeah. Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like her. She's, um, well, I, I don't know. I saw her on West Wing. I don't know. That's weird. But anyway, um, so I like her. Okay, so I'll have to check out that show a little bit more closely. And I think you're absolutely on to something. Uh, someone whose work is situated in privacy and surveillance, uh, 
definitely think that uh, this dystopian future. I hope I'm using the right language that mm-hmm. uh, Atwood creates in her some of, in her work is uh, pretty pretty compelling considering where we are now. But really- um, Sam. Yeah, so good luck with that project. You'll have to keep me updated on that. I think you're onto something too when you notice that pivot from like concentrating in writing to then moving to focusing on literature. I kind of did the opposite. I focused on literature and got my MA in literature now focusing the PhD in writing and rhetoric. I think a lot of folks do that. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm actually, Tori and I were just talking about that. I'm looking at PhD programs now. And trying to make that decision, okay, do I want to go back to the comp rhetoric side of things? Do I want to continue in the more literature side? So there's a lot at play there. <laughs> yeah, or where's that in-between, right? Where you yeah, can exactly. things you really love. Now you mentioned Toria. Toria Folsom is there with you. How are you, Toria? I'm great. I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Toria, uh, tell us who you are, uh, what you're doing right now at Mississippi State. Well, my name is Toria Folsom. I'm a senior undergrad student at Mississippi State University, and I tutor in their writing center. Excellent. How long have you been a tutor in the writing center? I think this is my third year, third year there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And then I interned for about six weeks before that. Now, are you from Starkville? I am not. I'm from Holly Springs, Mississippi. Okay, I have a sister that lives in Jackson. I don't know really if these these cities are close to anything you're talking about. Where is Holly Springs? Holly Springs is like northern Mississippi, a little okay. bit close to the Tennessee border. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I will confess, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, so I know a little. <laughs> I know a little bit about the South and Mississippi, but not too much. My sister's mm-hmm. been there about three years in Jackson. That's the only place I've ever been, really. Um, so what got you interested in becoming a writing tutor for the program at Mississippi State, Toria? Well, I've always loved reading and writing from a very young age. And in college, I was researching possible classes to take. Mm-hmm. And I saw that the there's a class teaching writing center tutors. And I thought, you know, I write for free all the time and I consult people for free all the time. Why not get paid to do it? You know? Yeah. And so and also my area of interest for my career is publishing. Mm. And I specifically want to be an editor. So it's like in a similar vein, those two things. Okay, that makes sense. So you're getting ready to graduate... Next May. Next or May. Upcoming May. Yeah. Excellent. Well, best of luck in that endeavor. I hope the rest. This is, I guess. And you know what? I'm just gonna apologize to you for your undergraduate experience being half <laughs> online. I guess that's ha- the worst. Samantha, I apologize to you too. But undergraduate, I think, is a little something special, right? Yeah, it's not great. Absolutely. But we're getting through it. Yeah, we're getting through it together. How have things been? Uh, at Mississippi State in response to the pandemic? What are some of the things that your writing center uh, went through as you transitioned to online? Mm -hmm. It was, uh, thankfully, from our director, it was as smooth as she could have made it. We transitioned from online 
a few days, maybe a week after they announced that classes would be online, mm-hmm. I think. And though it's been difficult to reach the students online, we've tried to make it as accessible as yeah. possible. And I know like exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. They worked really hard to provide that opportunity as quickly as possible mm-hmm. because especially with the stress of going online, um, I think the writing center kind of became a place where that students really flocked mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. get help, to mm-hmm. have these conversations that they weren't able mm-hmm. to have with their professors or in person. So it, it became mm-hmm. like important for many reasons. And I know in some of my appointments, I was still able to have some really great conversations yeah. mm-hmm. about like writing and research. So it was one of those like made the best of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. what it is that you have students who now don't have the support system of an actual physical place around them to help mm-hmm. them with their academics. And so like this one little portal online has become that like support that they need, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I should be doing. Yeah. I need the writing center. Mm-hmm. In, in that way, I suppose. And, and I'm sure that, you know, this isn't unique just to your writing center. Mm-hmm. Writing centers across the country kind of became this community hub of writing support. And that's what they're intended to do. But certainly that was intensified uh, at, during the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. Completely. I think there's an article there. I think there's an article there. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, many opportunities for that right now. <laughs> so we're talking during the summer, and this is uh, this audio, which you're hearing now in, in the fall. So what are you all doing this summer? Um, I just finished a class. I took a seminar online. So that ended at the beginning of July, and I'm actually – tutoring online in in July. So that's what I'm currently doing most days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Me personally, unfortunately, because of the COVID uh, situation, I had a publication internship fall through. So I'm pretty free this summer. Send freelance editing work at Toria, right? Uh, That's (laughs) what it is right there. Put the word out there. Mm -hmm. So, I met you uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, at the Southeastern Writing Center Association Conference at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, and I attended your presentation, it was on Thursday, on February 20th, called Maintaining Writer Identity of ESL Students in the Writing Center. I was struck by the practicality of the suggestions that you were suggesting, and also this um, inclusive approach uh, to make sure that we aren't appropriating and silencing multilingual students' writers' identity when we help them in the writing center. Mm -hmm. So a bit of framing, I think, as we get into this discussion is I've never worked in a writing center. Um, I don't know how that happened, um, but it just, it it never happened. Uh, And and, and so having that experience in a writing center – like as a consultant there, I don't have that experience. I more so have instructing ESL students on the classroom side, right? So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that's like and what led you to perhaps focusing on uh, ESL students in the writing center in this in this presentation. I um I know when I started tutoring in the writing center in my undergrad we had a 
really big ESL population at that university. So I worked very often with ESL students and really enjoyed that. And I noticed that again here at Mississippi State, most of the students that I've tutored and worked with were ESL students and um, just began noticing the different requests and things that they would want to work on coming into the writing center. And so often, I think a lot of it was that their instructors or um, they felt like an outside pressure that they had it to, had to write like a native speaker. And so I was just, I was noticing this and um, trying to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I as a tutor help uh, in this situation? And in our, the writing center class that we were taking as TAs to um, learn different techniques to help students, we actually started talking about that with um, writer identity and academia with ESL students, how often they face this different kind of like opposition or pressure to write in a certain way or conform to um, our like standards of English and kind of they can often lose that identity, their own identity in that process. And so I, I know for me, that's kind of where it started. And I went to our writing center director and approached her about kind of conducting a, a survey of our writing center, starting there saying, okay, well, if we notice this is a problem where ESL students are having their own writer identity, like pushed to the side in this setting to conform to something else, like what are we doing to work with that, change that, preserve that and make sure that their voice is still heard. And that's when uh, our writing center director mentioned that Toria was interested in the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, this is where we sort of interconnect because I think about a year before that I was for the writing center class, I had to present a project concerning a writing center topic and I chose ESL students and I entitled it Being Heard because I wanted the project to focus on actually hearing these students and their voices and not trying to change them to fit into a certain mold. So when our director, Kaylee, told me that Sam was interested in the, the same vein of uh, research, we sort of like met up and talked about it and realized like we were going in the same path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looking for those like practical steps of mm -hmm. how are we handling it? What's a better way mm -hmm. to preserve this? And how can we as a writing center give ESL students a space and voice mm -hmm. to um, be represented? Mm -hmm. so. Toria, you mentioned the word change. And I think that that's something that your presentation touched on and, and talked about very well, right? Um, you, you admit that there's existing research out there that, that mm -hmm. multilingual student writing is not considered wrong or flawed, just different. But then you as instructors are tasked with changing those differences, right? Or altering them to fit, conform to, you know, uh, the standards of, of our English. So mm -hmm. what are the ways that we can combat or contend with that? Well, uh, in our presentation, we present a four-step process, more of like an outline. And I think the first step really is the most important step. So when we're talking about changing something, it's impossible to tell these students that they should maintain their original voice 
when I know that if they go back to their teacher or their instructor with that original voice, that they're going to be marked as wrong. So our the first step in our process is the recruitment of our allies, because we need people in positions of power to be open to these changes before we even make them. So we need the instructors, the tenured professors, anybody who is in a position to legitimize other discourses to say it's okay to sound like this. It's okay to write like this. Um, yeah, I 100% agree. I think what Toria said is completely true. It's like you have to change the narrative surrounding this issue. Like exactly what you're saying. I actually worked with a student uh, who was working on her dissertation and Right whenever she came into the appointment, the first thing she said was, my professor told me that my English is not good and to not come back to him until I spoke with the writing center and that he wouldn't read anything else I wrote until I did. Mm-hmm. And it just... That sounds harsh. That, just it, was it, was, it was terrible. That's what... It broke my heart because I thought, wow, like not only have you been so harsh, but you've invalidated like this student and their work oh, and said that they can't approach you with writing until they've had it checked by someone mm-hmm. else. Like it was just, oh. it was a really sad situation. So I think that changing that discourse and understanding that like writer identity is so much more than grammar mechanics. It plays into a person's education, their background, their culture, like different cultures and in, in writing, like they value different things. Mm-hmm. So there's just to break away from that idea that, there is one set thing that is always right, like creating that awareness among people in positions of power to value instead of undermine writer identity. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that your presentation acknowledges is that there's little research and conversation right now around actual tools tutors could use to avoid appropriating and silencing a multilingual student's writer identity. We know what appropriation and silencing means, but where do you think the conversations should go concerning this topic? What I think they should go is to listen to the writers themselves, because you're not going to know if you're silencing, if you're appropriating, if you're coming from your own mindset of what is right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be an acknowledgement and a listening from the students themselves about their ideas and how they Mm -hmm. speak and what their culture looks like when it comes to writing. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that, especially in the section of recruiting allies, like giving the students the position and the authority in the space to say what mm-hmm. they're like what they need as writers mm-hmm. what needs to be more directly understood so hearing from the source mm-hmm. of the students these populations themselves instead of operating on assumptions or just inserting mm-hmm. um previously conceived ideas like actually going to the source giving these students a platform and actively taking the steps that they're able to participate in mm-hmm.
you like to join Charles in the Big Rhetorical Podcast? The podcast is booking for next season now. The Big Rhetorical Podcast offers participants the opportunity to contribute to ongoing conversations within our disciplines and beyond. This record of conversations eventually will be a digital archive with the potential to impact the knowledge-making and rhetoric, writing studies, and technical communication, as well as adjacent fields. Do you have a new book coming out? Are you hitting the job market this cycle? The Big Rhetorical Podcast wants to talk to you. The Big Rhetorical Podcast core ideals are similar to a community-based writing project, with an emphasis on inclusivity and localizing knowledge and in strengthening relationships among peers. Make sure to check out our back catalog of episodes, as well as listen to our new podcast each week wherever you listen to your podcast. If you have questions about The Big Rhetorical Podcast, please submit a form at the website www.thebigrhetoricalpodcast.weebly.com. You can also find The Big Rhetorical Podcast on Twitter at The Big Ret. Follow the podcast on Facebook or email us at thebigrhetorical at gmail.com. conversation toria mentioned the first point in your four point plan mm-hmm. sam do you think you could guide us through point two uh yeah so our second point that we talked about on how to be more mindful of this and working towards practical steps in the future was that like you're gonna learn today like we need to take the time to like be informed with what is going on, like the current research, where that research could be going, like in order to be an active participant and voice in the field, we need to be informed and to give space for those voices. So taking those opportunities to um, focus on educating yourself and those around you. Yeah, uh, the second step is mostly focused on tutors and instructors on not necessarily a lower level, but more of a personal level with the students. Mm-hmm. So once we've gotten the allies, once we've opened the space for possibility, we need to tell the people who are in closer contact with these students that you have things to learn. This is a space where you need to open yourself up for different possibilities and flexibility mm-hmm. of tutoring. We have steps one, step two. What's step three? Uh, The third step is the choice is yours. So this third step is where we actually begin to tutor the students or help the students. This is where we inform them that they have the choice to either follow the native way, and I use that word in quotes, of writing in the academic space or follow their own voice. And either one that they choose is an okay option. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that making that choice understood is like is invaluable and Mm -hmm. it can really help in giving ESL students and tutors a sense of agency Mm -hmm. to kind of take control of that situation and say, you know, this this value, this writing, your writing is valuable and like has space and you have the opportunity to choose to like Mm -hmm. to push for that or to operate in this other way. And we are going to like be those allies to help you do whichever of those you choose. Mm -hmm. And once we have completed the first three steps, what's our fourth and final step? Uh, The fourth final step is allies assemble. 
in which I imagine or we imagine a type of workshop environment over the course of the semester or school year in which both tutors and instructors and professors and students get together and exchange information about their culture and the way in which they write in their culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically like a combination of everything that we've talked about mm-hmm. where you have people who are willing to um, learn and operate in this way, coming together to give platforms for voices, differing opinions, understanding and learning, and moving forward from there, using that as kind of a launching point to make some new practices. Mm -hmm. I got this idea from, there's an article by Bobby Olson titled Rethinking Our Work with Multilingual Writers. And in that article, she talks about her program initiating something called a partner language, I think it was, in which she pairs a tutor with a writer and they just exchange information about their different cultures and how they work and what it's like. I think something like that on a bigger scale would really help change the conversation. I really appreciate this framework because the ultimate outcome is a coalition, right? Mm-hmm. A coalition of people working together uh, to toward a, toward a common goal. And I think that that's where a lot of the conversations and a lot of the research, uh, especially in rhetoric, uh, can lead towards, right? And that, that's coalition building. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you all put out a uh, survey to Mississippi State University uh, Writing Center students. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell us, so, tell us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. We, um, in looking at these research, these questions, in kind of it being our goal to see this be able to be practically carried out, we wanted to gauge our own write, writing center. Mm-hmm. And so we created a, an anonymous survey that was optional, and we sent it to our um, writing center tutors that had at least one semester of experience. And the basically just ask them questions about first off how how do tutors account for writer identity in all students and then more specifically when working with ESL students how do they account for writer identity and also how do they preserve it Mm -hmm. and what we also asked them if they had recommendations for how the writing center could um, better educate and better work towards those goals so Mm -hmm. that was where the survey kind of started. And we also wanted to get a sense of if our writing center in general felt that there was a need Mm -hmm. to change how we approached uh, ESL students or if they felt like this was the course that needed to be taken. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what what were the results of your survey? Pretty interesting. We saw that there, there was definitely an awareness of writer identity that Many of our tutors are cognizant of that in appointments of wanting to preserve that. And um, so that was kind of like our baseline. And a lot of the results, too, kind of mentioned wanting to be not assuming towards Mm -hmm. writer identity um, because of how that can, like, be so many different things and Mm -hmm. so many different things to each person or Mm -hmm. culture. So there was a lot of emphasis put on not assuming those things. Um, and then when the questions moved towards more specifics with ESL students, there was especially 
a lot of emphasis put on maintaining their writer identity. A lot of the respondents mentioned um, listening over speaking, which is exactly what Toria was talking about earlier, um, being willing to engage beyond grammar and mechanics since it's, it is just understood, I think, in writing centers that that's such a focus is grammar and mechanics, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our tutors mentioned wanting to work beyond that to account for mm-hmm. writer identity. And I think a, a pretty telling result that we got from our survey is that a lot of our tutors wanted to do these things. They wanted to change the conversation. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make it about the writer and their identity, but very few could point towards actual steps to do so. Mm-hmm. They really don't know what to do beyond just listening mm-hmm. to the tutors and trying to go beyond grammar mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what... Um, in our final question, when we asked about steps and recommendations, so many of them advocated for starting the conversation and providing uh, resources and just spaces to continue the conversation. So it was definitely it's definitely something that uh, our tutors are aware of and wanting to preserve. And it kind of really did give us insight into, well, OK, if we if people are seeking the steps seeking the conversation, like, what can we do now? And that's where the steps came and the plans. Excellent. So I can only imagine that in March, when uh, higher education was kind of turned upside down with the pandemic, um, and, you know, we kind of touched on that earlier, but um, I imagine that the significance of this presentation where I met you all has changed in the last week specifically. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about this the other day. And when we started the presentation or the research, it was basically focused on writer identity, opening up a space. But now in the present moment, we realize that this in essence, is a way to counteract some discrimination against ESL students. At its core, not listening to them, overriding them, is simply just another form of discrimination. And I feel like in order to attack the bigger problems of discrimination, we need to understand that there are small, sometimes overlooked, preconceived biases that we have about these students. And I think this is one way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely has like exactly you know what Toria said. We we started this as looking at how how are we dealing directly with grammar mechanics and student writing, ESL mm-hmm. student writing, and the world kind of went upside down. Mm-hmm. And I, writer identity, writer space has changed for everyone. And then especially in the last week with the things happening with uh, especially ESL students um, or just foreign exchange students Mm -hmm. risking um, being deported Mm -hmm. or their status being changed because of universities moving online. Mm -hmm. Like this has definitely become a new space where writer identity just has made shifted into like personal identity. Mm -hmm. And not only do writers, yeah, absolutely. Do not, not only do writers feel, safe like are they feeling safe in academia but like in the world like Mm -hmm. there's there's so much more happening 
um, that's influencing people's motivations in writing, their opportunity, their resources. Um, how can those needs be met, especially for a group that is now facing so much uncertainty? Mm-hmm. It's like your writing identity is just a microcosm of like, like you said, Sam, it's just going outward now, right? Mm-hmm. Going outward and expanding. Um, crazy times. I shouldn't say crazy, but uh, <laughs> they are. <laughs> it really is. It's This is not... Yeah. Not normal circumstances. <laughs> Have you heard from your institution about how they plan to address the new law, uh, immigration law, concerning uh, foreign students? I have not seen anything yet. I think we're mm-hmm. both kind of watching for that and waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I imagine that it's um, it's going to be a lot of work for a lot of people, but hopefully we can get this racist and discriminatory law overturn hopefully absolutely what are you all gonna do this afternoon <laughs> i don't think we have any plans as of yet yeah um, it's kind of a rainy day here in starkville so it's pretty rainy day in starkville yeah. it's bright and sunny and 90 degrees here in bloomington illinois <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. that sounds nice yeah. i'd still trade you i think though it's a little too hot here <laughs> Well, is there anything that we missed or that we didn't talk about that you all think is important to talk about before I let you go uh, enjoy your rainy Starkville Monday or Tuesday? What day is it? I don't even know. Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. It's hard to right now. Right? Like, you could have told me I was Sunday, and I've been like, yeah, yeah it's Sunday. Totally. It's yeah. Saturday, too. Yeah. Probably both days at the same yeah. time. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, is there anything that, that you want to add on before I let you all off here? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure we hit all the mm-hmm. main points about ESL students. Yeah. I think this is just a really a time to make sure that they feel space or feel safe in the space that they're in with their academics. Mm-hmm. I really don't understand why they have to choose themselves or their studies. But Yeah, it's a very mm-hmm. unfair, unbalanced decision to mm-hmm try and place and yeah completely agree with Toria Mm. like just glad that we've been able to like open up this conversation and Mm. even though it's no one knows what it's going to look like in the fall I think that we can has has writing center tutors has just people in academia can do our best to help one another out Mm. and really value not only writing but just one another as human beings Mm -hmm. I'm going to thank you so much, both of you. Samantha and Toria for joining me on this episode of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. I'm thrilled that the Big Rhetorical Podcast is expanding to include guests coming on the podcast to talk about their work after we meet at a conference. The Big Rhetorical Podcast also promotes conferences and symposia. If you want to promote your event, reach out. 
You can find more information about The Big Rhetorical Podcast at our website, www.thebigrhetoricalpodcast.weebly.com and follow us on Twitter at The Big Ret. Leave us a five-star rating and write a review to help us enhance visibility on podcast platforms. Until next time, always be listening rhetorically.